to bow your heads with me, dear God. We ask that you just speak directly to us, dear God. The message you have prepared for us to allow us to hear it and to hear it directly from you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I'm going to finish up um, our series, 2023, a year of healing. Um, I'm going to start so we can start headed towards the cross for Easter. Um, Easter's approaching, you know, great. I always love the Easter season. It's always a very, very special part of the year. And uh, as things start to bloom and get into the spring time, I'm ready. Anybody else ready for spring? Get a little hum here. So, um, this is sometimes referred to as the final healing. Um, sometimes it's not listed in, in some of Jesus' healings. But, um, very uh, unique story, very unique uh, event in the, in the part of the biblical story. There's a lot to take away here, and I'm probably not even going to scratch the surface um, in my understanding of, of biblical knowledge, and I, and I genuinely mean that. Um, I'm, I'm, in, in how I've been doing this, I'm, I think it's important that we get the preceding events just to understand what's going on here. Okay, so I'm going to be in Luke 22. So this is uh, Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. Okay, um, we refer to this as the the Last Supper. Okay, he's in the upper room with his disciples. He's calling them together. So we are actually in the Easter story here, and um, you know he's going around the room and he gives the the sob as it's called sob to Judas Iscariot. And the, he leaves, and he goes and makes his deal, and he betrays Jesus Christ, all right? And then, um, believe it or not, in the, in the account of Luke, in the 22nd chapter, there is a discussion with the disciples about, again, who is going to be the, who is the greatest, all right? And I, I just think it's remarkable. Uh, that they ha- have this discussion, and I, I think that it is just a, like a, a human nature that just keeps getting interjected here um, with this part of human nature just to China kind of want to achieve or to step over people or to climb this ladder or maybe to stab people in the back and, or not even that, or just to kind of, it's just something built inside of us. Maybe it's our animalistic instincts or stuff, just to kind of want to just like push and I don't know, maybe it's the way we were raised, or I don't know what it is, but there's this this argument, this conversation that just keeps coming up on who is the greatest, and and so um, Jesus has this, in verse 27, he asks this question, for who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Like, who's, who's the best, who's the greater? And it says, is it not he who sits at the table? Is that not who has the more prominent role? Who sits at the table and is served? Is that not more prominent than the one who is serving the one who sits at the table? But then he makes the statement, yet I am among you as the one who serves, right? I've been serving you all night, washing your feet. I took my robe off and, you know, and took on the clothing of a slave, washed your feet and served you. Okay, so we get this turning of the tables, this 
taking everything and then turning it upside down as he's done all these past three years, okay? And it's still not clicking with these guys. And, and, and we cast this, you know, this side eye, this, you know, this side look towards the disciples. But if we'll look at ourselves freshly in the face, we do this too, okay? And we still don't get it. Jesus speaks directly to us a lot of times, and we still don't get it. As Jesus has turned everything upside in our lives, and we still look the same way as the disciples, okay? So they have this argument, and again, Jesus explains, you know, Jesus' theology versus worldly logic, okay? And then he talks about, you know, having supplies for the road. He's getting ready to send them out into the ministry work, and they have this discussion about supplies for the road. I think it's important to talk about this for a second, okay, just because of what's about to happen. And he says to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack, and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. And they say, look, here are two swords. And he says, it is enough, all right? So let's just kind of, let's just understand what's being taught here, or what's being said, okay? So he is talking about you got to go out and you got to take care of yourself. You got to prepare yourself. You got to have what you need. And there's nowhere in the Bible where it says you cannot defend yourself. Okay, you, there is. You ha- can defend yourself. And you can self defense, take care of your family. If someone intrudes in your, into your house, you can defend you and your family. Okay, now there is wisdom that comes with that. If the intruder is leaving, you know, if he comes in, sees you're there and is leaving, is walking down the street, you can't follow after him and just shoot him in the street, okay? All right, so you got to have some wisdom there. And so the disciples are like starting to roll into something here, and Jesus just kind of shuts it down and says, hey, enough of it. You know, you understand what I'm saying to you. you got to prepare for to go out into the world. You know, there are going to be times you're going to have to take care of yourself to defend yourself, defend yourself. But make sure you have what you need to have to go out into the world to survive and to get the job done, okay? But there is wisdom that comes with that. I'm asking you to have that kind of wisdom to go out and do it in a Christian, godly kind of way, okay? And that's what's being taught here, all right? So after that, Jesus and and some disciples go out, and we have this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays you know, if this cup can be passed from me, but not my will, your will. He prays so intently that actually blood comes from his body. And he, you know, prays three times. And he prays, and while he's praying, the disciples sleep. Okay? They're human. Okay, it's nighttime. You know, if, if you put me in a dark, cool place for a little while... I'm probably going to fall asleep too, all right? So this is where we pick up, okay? He comes back to him. We're in Luke 22, the 47th verse, all right? He comes back to him, and he's kind of getting on to him. Can you not stay awake? You know, I've asked you to, you know, be awake so that temptation doesn't overtake you. And while he was still speaking, it says, behold, a multitude, so a bunch, a bunch of people. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, 
went before them, which means step out, stepped out of the multitude, drew near to Jesus and kissed him. But Jesus kind of stopped him in his tracks and said, Judas, are you about to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And let me just ask you, think about all the wrongs that we have done in the history of the world in the name of love. Isn't it remarkable? In the name of love, think of all the wrong that we have done. And Judas is about to do one of the biggest wrongs with a kiss. When those around him saw what was going on, Jesus' disciples is what they're speaking of. They said to him, Jesus, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? So evidently they picked up the two swords and went with it. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear, all right? Now we know from John, his um, account, that the one who swung the sword was Simon Peter. Having a sword, he drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And we know from this account that his name was Malchus. And then we know from Matthew's account that we get this famous verse that Jesus says, put your sword in its place because those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Okay? It says here that Jesus answered him and said, permit even this. And he touched Malchus's side of his face and healed him. Healed his ear. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders who came to him, have you come out against a robber or maybe an insurrectionist might be a more accurate um, translation with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, why did you not seize me? But this is your hour and the power of darkness. All right, so I have some application that I want to go over with you here this morning, okay? Some stuff that I feel God has shared with me, okay? First of all, very, very important. Jesus had been praying. The disciples had been sleeping. Jesus was prepared for the encounter because Jesus had been praying. Jesus was prepared because Jesus had been praying. He was one-on-one -on -one with God. He was prepared. The, the, the disciples had been asleep. They weren't prepared. Look at your life. What's your prayer life look like? How much time do you spend in prayer? What's your prayer life look like? Do you spend one-on-one? -on -one? Do you have time charted out in your day? one-on-one -on -one time with God. If you don't, you're not prepared for this life, period. You're not prepared for this life, period. Okay? You're like the disciples. You'll wake up, the multitude will be on you, and you'll be cleaning the sleep out of your eyes. Understand? Judas was a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Yet Judas betrayed Jesus to Caiaphas, the high priest. So, just so we understand what's going on here, the emotions of what is going on to the other disciples of Jesus Christ. Their emotions are raging. One of their own is on the other side, stepping out of the multitude, about to betray with an act of love. Okay? So you can understand why the emotions are raging high. And also, they're not prepared for this encounter because they have been asleep. They're not prepared emotionally. They're not prepared mentally. They're just not prepared. All right? Here's the other thing. The disciples actually ask, should we strike? Should we use force? Should we use, you know, anger? Should we use it? But guess what? Peter doesn't wait for an answer. How many times have you asked, maybe prayed, and not waited for the answer? Anybody have a kid that has asked for permission and not waited for the answer? Has anybody been the kid that has asked for permission and not waited for the answer? Because my hand's still up on both. All right? Huh? All right. It's uh, sometimes awful to wait on the answer, isn't it? Huh? The Bible says that um, to have patience is to be, the word is perfected. If you can have faith in patience, then you can be perfected, meaning that you are being sanctified. But in order to get there, guess what you have to go through? Trials and tribulations, failures. It's a horrible thing to think about, right? But guess what else? For those who wait upon the Lord, you mount up on what? Wings of eagles. You run and not grow weary. You walk and not grow faint. Amen? Peter is acting on emotions. Anybody here ever act on emotions? Amen. And here's the thing. There's a lot of psychology you can go into Peter. He may be acting out of over, um, over courage because remember what happened to him earlier? He got told he was going to do what? He's going to betray Jesus, right? Three times before, the, before morning. So he's probably going to show, I'm going with you. And he's over showing his confidence. So sometimes think about the very things that you're worried about being your failure might actually cause you to fail. 
Isn't that a horrible thing about our own personalities? And I probably didn't do this point right. It's not that he's not aware of Jesus. He's just not aware at the moment. Jesus told them what was going to happen. Just not at the moment. It just never sunk in with them. They just never could grasp that Jesus was going to the cross to give up his life. Because it, it kind of competed with their own personal vision of what was going on. And sometimes there's the rub on our will versus God's will for our lives is when it starts to rub with what we have envisioned for our lives. And when it really competes with our vision for our lives, then sometimes we kind of like our perception is deceiving to us and we can't really see God's will for our lives. So at this moment, he can't understand that it's Jesus's will to allow himself to be taken by this multitude. And he can't understand that he needs to step back and allow this to happen. He can't understand that this is what Jesus's will is. So he overacts because he's afraid of being a failure and showing weakness. So he overacts and oversells his confidence and his courage. He doesn't wait for the answer and he shows violence. And all he saw was a multitude of armed men. Now listen to me. This is an amazing point here. Not for me, okay? I didn't, I didn't come up with this. What the disciples saw was a multitude of armed men. I don't know what a multitude is, but it's a bunch, okay? My, a lot of theologian, Bible historians say hundreds. A multitude of armed men, yet they were not the overwhelming force on the scene. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? Peter is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Malchus is a servant of Caiaphas, the high priest. Okay? Malchus serves what would be the, the arch enemy of, Je I mean, he hates Jesus Christ, okay? He's trying his best to kill Jesus, get rid of him, all right? Yet Jesus is teaching here at the scene that in action, at the very scene here, Way back at the very beginning of his ministry, in action, his words when he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemy, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Not words, not theory, not teaching, actions. His final healing is in the Garden of Gethsemane against 
the servant of the man who will ultimately put him to death, spit on him, lie about him, and yet he shows ultimate act, grace, love, and mercy, reaches up and touches him in complete love. You think Malchus was ever the same? Huh? You want to know something funny? Not funny, haha, but do you know how Peter is quizzed in his betrayal? In the account of John, he's quizzed by a young girl. Aren't you one of the followers? He says, no. Again, by a young girl, aren't you one of the followers? No. The third time it says, aren't you one of the followers? He says, no, the cock crowed. And it says, the young girl who asked him was a cousin of, guess who? Malchus. The man he cut the ear off of. Amazing. Not theories, not teachings, but the ultimate act of love right there in the garden of Gethsemane. Right before he is taken, beaten, scourged, and eventually crucified. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church.